Hi, I'm Jennifer Gassage. And my name is Mateusz Benka. This is the Let's Talk Ecosystems podcast. From activists to entrepreneurs, leaders to practitioners, we will learn how young people are making a positive change for our planet. In this series, we talk with change makers who are taking action to restore and protect nature as we move forward in the United Nations decade for ecosystem restoration. Mateusz, I've got to ask you something. I've been sort of digging into this idea of green cities and rooftop gardens, and this is a whole new world for me, but I'm really excited about it. But I have a question for you that I saw in FAO's Green Cities Initiative. Are you ready for it? I'm not sure, but yeah, go ahead. Okay, all right. So what percentage of the world's population lives in cities? I'll give you a clue. 55%, 65%, or 75%? I would say 65%, but I don't have a clue. You're close. 55%. That is more than half of the world's population living in cities, but yet we're losing our green spaces. What can we do about this and bring people back to nature or nature back to people? We are so pleased to have Liliana Jaramillo Pazmino here with us today. She's the founder of Nativas, and she's going to walk us through what we can do to bring nature back to our cities. Exactly. Liliana, we are very happy to have you here. And... We'll be very happy to learn about you and your startup. Maybe you can tell us a bit more about about it. Thank you very much, Jennifer and Mateus. Um, I'm really excited to be here and to be part of this amazing initiative and podcast. So um, Nativos is my startup. Um, well, I'm a biologist. I did a master's, I have a master's degree in environment that I did it in Australia. And well, I, first of all, I fell in love uh, with urban ecology and this idea of regreening cities and engaging citizens in conservation. So when I got back um, after finishing my master's degree, I came back to my city, Quito, and I decided to, okay, like, Let's let's do this. Let's like start greening the city and bringing back um, uh, native plants into the urban environment. But um, yeah, I was shocked with the reality that there was a lack of information about native plants and no one knew much about them and how to use it. So I started with this project that was okay. Let's bring back native plants into the urban environment. And actually, I was searching like for funding, for support in different areas. And I applied to the Young Champions of the World like Championship. I won this award. Congratulations, on... by the way. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> on 2017, I won the award. And I applied with this idea of, okay, like what happens if we start putting native plants on green roofs in Mm -hmm. in the city? Mm -hmm. Actually, this was my research project of the master's degree I did. Mm -hmm. So when I came back, I was like, okay, I want to apply all the things that I have researched during my studies. And um, yeah, it was amazing because it gave me funding for starting a native plant nursery and also 
people start believing in this crazy idea about using native plants. Is it a crazy idea, using native plants? Actually, it's not crazy. It makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, but when you come here, like culturally, we are used to, to see green gardens with big flowers and they have to be perfect all the time. And most of the plants that are used here are exotic plants, introduced plants. And many of them, it's like just surprising to see how some of them are invasive and they are causing, they are threatening the the native ecosystems. Could you give give an example of that, of an invasive species and how it affects the ecosystem and what we can do about it? Right now, we have a huge problem in Quito with a climbing species that is introduced. Uh, the species is Thumbergia alata. That, mm-hmm. like, it has different common names, but that's mm-hmm. the scientific name. And that climbing species was introduced here, like, for gardening. Okay. But um, the seeds are just spreading. They are tiny seeds, and they are spreading everywhere. And right now they are getting to the natural spaces, to the ravines next to the rivers, and they are climbing on top of native species and they are killing everything. That's the the best example to see how exotic species that have been introduced to an urban ecosystem, it's just out of control. And right now it's damaging uh, what is left about uh, native species and ecosystems around the sea. Wow. So that's, it's incredible. I mean, I understand that, you know, we like to have things that look perfect and, you know, what we imagine to be perfect in our gardens and so forth, but uh, we don't think about the damage that that may cause to the natural environment and the competition. They may, these invasive species might outcompete other native species. Is that true? Yeah, precisely. And also Mm -hmm. what happens is that with introduced species, you might give some food and habitat to different species but with native species what happens is that animals and plants have co-evolved in the same environment for centuries so when you put them another kind of resource sometimes it's not the best one or it's not enough for them so they just leave that's what we are changing everything and some species are just leaving so I'm going to ask you a question. How do we get young people and even kids to sort of learn about this and get them engaged and active and in promoting native species, learning about the native species? I think this is sort of part of your work in education as well. And what can we do to teach people what native species are and why we should value them and what we can do to sort of restore uh, nature in our urban centers? Yeah, so... I think that precisely that's what we do in in Nativus is to not only provide the availability of native plants for for people to buy and Mm -hmm. plant, but also create this environmental education. We -hmm. we have different workshops, different uh, projects that we love to do. Mm -hmm. And the idea is to engage people, engage young people, children, and also try to engage the knowledge that many elders have about native plants. So if we give young people the experience of having a native plant, maybe 
is a host plant for a caterpillar and you can witness the life cycle of a butterfly that mm -hmm. will make you more sensitive to, to what is happening to the environment. Sure. So we want to, to make nature this everyday thing that is not a thing right now in the city. So creating this experience, you can also inspire young people to get engaged. And I think I'm kind of an example because I have lived, like since I was a child, I remember that I was growing up and I yeah. knew about like the panda bear, an endangered species. And mm -hmm. I don't know, like, I always had this idea in mind, like, I want to do something about it. Not precisely right. the panda bear, something about our planet, our environment. And mm -hmm. I had the chance to go with my parents to different places that involve nature. And I had the opportunity to experience that. And I think that is the, the seed that you need inside to make a change when you grow up. Right. In fact, you have this wonderful quote, all of us have this seed inside, this green spark for making a change. I love that. You know, I think maybe we just all have to tap into that sort of green instinct within us and, and revive that and, and bring nature back through our passion for the wild. Could you just, um, I'm just curious now, out of all these adventures that you went on with your parents, which must have been incredible, which one was the most that really stuck with you the most? Well, I think once I I went with with all my family, with my cousins, grandparents, the like the huge family, uh, yeah. we went to to a waterfall, and it was magic because it was like the first time that we were like all in this kind of trip in the nature, mm -hmm. and we we had this this opportunity to be like in the river and swim there and just like have this moment but experience it yeah that the idea that experience also gave me um make me think about what I want to do when when I grow up so I I didn't know that I was going to to study biology but I I always had like this idea I want to work with with environment like with maybe being like um, a guide, a nature guide or something like that. And yeah, at the end of the day, I, I ended to be a biologist. And I also like dreamed about like working in a laboratory and like stuff like that was amazing for me. That's incredible. Did you have a, a mentor along the way? Well, like in this journey, it has been crazy because when I won the UN Young Champions Award, I got in, in contact with some people within my master's degree. People heard about me and they were like, oh my God, I can't believe you. Like you won this award. And I was it's like, incredible. oh my God. And I got in touch with a person that had a plant nursery mm -hmm. in the United States. Actually, I didn't get in touch with him. He mm -hmm. got in touch with me because he was like very curious about South America and the Paramo, the Andes. And he had worked like for decades in green roofs and with plants. And we got in touch because 
he was a professor in the University of Melbourne in Australia, where I studied, but I didn't meet him. Mm-hmm. So when I came back to Ecuador, he got in touch with me. And I was like, this, I think this name is some, like rings a bell to me. And he actually was cited in all my thesis. I was wow. like, oh my God, it's Edmund Snodgrass. is like, he has lots of experience on sure. green roofs. And uh, well, like right now we are friends. He came mm-hmm. to Ecuador. Uh, he, it was the first time he come to South America and mm-hmm. he helped me a lot with uh, the plant nursery, like with all the technical parts of having a plant nursery and also knowing about plants and how they can be uh, like different species that are more suitable for green roofs. Mm-hmm. So since then, he has been a mentor to me. He has been like an amazing friend. And yeah, like I learned from him. I have learned a lot. I have been in Maryland to his plant nursery. And I think he, he's an inspiration. And there's like so many people that are like doing their own work on their own uh, environment. And mm-hmm. when we connect, it's very inspiring because you feel like part of this network of people that are doing something about creating a better environment. And, and now you're becoming a role model. And now you're taking, you're t- stepping into those shoes as well as a role model for all those um, people who will follow in your footsteps uh, as you move forward in, in your career and with Nativus. I, I, I was wondering, what is the connection between rooftop gardens and ecosystem restoration and native plants? So I see the sort of the connection, but maybe if you could help sort of define it a little bit, because ecosystem restoration sounds huge. And then a rooftop garden might be small, but I have a feeling that that's part of a really big picture. Maybe you could help us sort of put it all together. Yeah, for sure. So when we are talking about ecosystem restoration, you you can apply it to different kind of environments. But when we think about the city, well, the city is a very changed environment, but the place where it was built, it was actually a, an ecosystem that has changed a lot. But what we can do in, in cities is also make them more functional. Mm-hmm. So green roofs are part of, of these tools uh, these elements that can increase the functionality in the city. For example, green roofs have the potential of being this kind of sponges on the rooftops where they collect water, decrease runoff, and uh, improve, like reduce the vulnerability of the city of flooding, for example. And also it could be a safe space for many species of birds, of insects, that they can live there. And maybe if, if it's a, like very quiet and you can't go like, like a garden, it's just sure. an inaccessible rooftop, it will be like a sanctuary for many, many species of insects, for example. Right. So um, I think that green roofs can connect between them, like between different green, uh, green roofs, but they are also connected to other greenery, green infrastructure in the city for creating this functionality. It's not about just having one green roof. It's about having 
green spaces that complement each other and make more functional the whole ecosystem that is created in the city. So when we are talking about ecosystem restoration, like urban ecosystem restoration, we are talking about artificial environments. They are created to improve the conditions that we have changed in the city. Right. You know, that's that's fascinating. What would you say um, to someone who would say, well, do we really need native species? Can't Isn't just planting, uh, having a green space enough? Does it have to be native species? How would you respond to that challenge? So that's the daily challenge that I oh, have here in Quito. Oh, and I think sorry. more, no, but I think it's okay. It's part of our work. It's part of the deal. So, um, sure, so it is. Yeah, plants are usually seen as um, this ornamental part of the city. It's mm -hmm. just like, oh yeah, the greenery, it's nice, but yeah. we have to change the, the concept. Right. If we use introduced species, you mm -hmm. can get some benefits. For example, <laughs> you can improve air quality. You mm -hmm. also can uh, reduce runoff uh, mm -hmm. of storm water you also can improve and regulate temperature in the city if you create this green environment mm -hmm. but if you use native plants you are adding benefits so right. for example you are creating habitat mm -hmm. and also um, providing food for other species as hummingbirds as bees as butterflies so you are increasing the benefits of uh, the green spaces. And right. additionally, if you start seeing like um, native plants uh, have lived here like for millions of years and they have evolved in the geographic space. Right. So they are used to um, these changes in the weather and patterns in the rainfall. So they are adapted to the local conditions. If you use native plants, you will have a bigger uh, benefits than just using introduced species. I'm really impressed what, what you said, and I actually myself trying to also uh, make the, the roof in my neighborhood green. But uh, I'm going to be honest with you, I uh, went through the procedure and the administration here, but I gave up after uh, two weeks of trying. So uh, I'm really impressed even more. Maybe I meant I, I missed the mentor and maybe I, I have found one now. I hope so. I will try to come back to it. But uh, that brings me to my question, which is more related to the obstacles that you probably face as we all face in our day, er, everyday work. So can you elaborate a bit more on the obstacles that you face in your work? Yes, for sure. So I have mentioned about this question that people like make all the time, like why native plants? Uh, so that's the first obstacle because they are like, oh yeah, native plants, they are not so pretty. They don't have like big flowers because they are not domesticated. So that's that's the first one. And also the, the thing about um, not all the people are engaged with this interest of what is our impact in the planet they are like oh yeah the, the planet is warming up and we 
know about climate change and we don't want to know much about it because they feel uncomfortable. So that's that's the thing like very important that we have to take into account. So it's like for me, that's part of the challenge. It's also like, okay, we are talking about the problem, what's happening in the urban environment, what's happening with climate change, but it's also a matter of giving them solutions, what they can do, how they can start doing something that it's not like they won't be overwhelmed. So I think that's that's very important. Also, people might be aware that something is happening, but they are like they don't care about it. We are reaching to a non-return point and they are like, oh, but we have lived like this like for centuries, like nothing is going to happen. And that's also like very dramatic because like mm. we haven't lived this. But I think that we have to be optimistic because if we just lay down and say like, oh yeah, like there's nothing to do about it, it would be it would be worse not just for our children, it would be worse for us as well. I think it would be easier to to make the na- native native plants more beautiful actually than to wake up the other people to that challenge we are all facing. But yeah, it's all impressive and uh, Liliana. I'm also very curious about what do you understand by the ecosystem and what do you understand by the ecosystem restoration? Because as you know, that's the subject of our podcast. And I, I kind of feel that uh, not everyone can grasp it so easily. So I think you are a very good person to elaborate it. Good point. Good point. Yeah. So when we talk about ecological restoration, it's actually the process of assisting or helping an ecosystem to heal after being damaged. So when we are working with plants, when we are working with native plants, one of of the things that we are doing is like planting and putting the base of the ecosystem to start working. So there are lots of organisms that are part of a complex network to make uh, like the whole ecosystem function. But when we are working with plants, we are actually working with, with a very important uh, part of this puzzle when we are talking about healing, about restoring. Mateusz, that was a great question. And thank you, for Liliana, for clarifying. I'm going to ask, maybe it's an obvious question, but how do we, I don't know, and maybe Mateusz, you also have the answer to this, but I was wondering, how do we make plants uh, the star? So often, Liliana, you mentioned it before, the panda or the keystone species, you know, the, the wolves, you know, we think of these majestic species as having an important role and we recognize them, but what about native plants? How do we really bring them to the forefront as like the superstars of nature? So I think it depends what are you searching for. For example, there are lots of people that are like, yeah, I want to do something about my garden and helping the environment in my backyard. And I, it's like, yeah, cool, let's do this. And it's like, mm, how do you feel about um, having hummingbirds in your garden? And they are like, oh my God, I love the idea. So we start uh, working with plants that, are, that attract hummingbirds. It's, it's a matter of 
engaging people with other things. So within the aspect of restoration, they're always like, we are talking about plants, but when we talk about animals, they are like the most attractive organism. Like if you talk about wolves, if you are, <laughs> talk about bears, and they are like, yeah, cool. And if you are talking about plants, sometimes they say, oh, no, but they don't move. They, they're not exciting. But I think also people are like, they haven't had the, the, the chance to experience with plants. There are some plants that you touch them and they will close their leaves. And they like when I am in the plant nursery, I am telling people, oh, this plant is this and you can see the flower. And I tell them you can touch it and they will slowly close their, their leaves. And they are like, oh, my God, they can move. And it's like, yeah. And that's part of the experience. And also, for example, another example is um, people that are uh, having trouble with, I don't know, like. In, in some places, for example, schools, they are like, we don't know what, what is happening, but we have plants, but they are like just dying over and over again. We plant them and they die and we change the species and put them and they just keep dying. And I say, okay, like try with this one. Like I have tried in several environments. This is native, they like very hardy. Let's try with this. So it's a matter about understanding the needs and desires of, of people in order to give them options with native plants. I have another question, Jan, to you. For someone who would like to look it up after our podcast, maybe you can bring us an example of that, something that you came across and it's the most outstanding piece of uh, urban restoration or making our neighborhood green. Might think of a, a name or a case that uh, any one of us can look it up afterwards and and get further inspired. Well, for it's it's a really it's a really hard one because if you come to Quito, we have worked in different kind of environments, not only green roofs, but for example, um, we did um, rain gardens in in. Um, dry ecosystem in the northern part of the city in Quito. So what we did is rain gardens that is a green infrastructure that will collect rainwater and infiltrate that in the soil thanks to the roots of the plants. So uh, we did um, like a, a community-based project on 2020 and we created these uh, rain gardens with native plants and they have been transformed into pollinator gardens. After one year and a half, more or less, um, right now they are this biodiversity spot in the middle of a park uh, in a very dry environment in Quito. That was like the absolutely most amazing experience that I had because I had the chance to apply, okay, native plants in the urban environment, in a public space and engaging people. So that was the most amazing experience that I had. And right now we are trying to develop a similar projects around the city, but I think that was one of the most uh, amazing projects 
that we did in um, a neighborhood that is called La Josefina in Quito. Jennifer, do you have one more question? Oh, well, um, I, well, I do have a question, but I wanted to add to the fact that I think that attracting pollinators is an amazing way to also show, you know, kids get and, and, and everybody why native plants are so important here as an example in Toronto you know we go to the island and they've created this little pollinator station where they've planted uh, all the native plants and you get this beautiful selection of insects that just fly all around you and you know I'm sure other animals come and go but it's just it's wonderful and I think all our cities really need these green spaces for our, our, our health you know, you know, air pollution is one issue, but just our mental health as well. Green spaces are so good for us. And uh, so your work is so important, uh, Liliana. And thank you for sharing all this. But I do have a question about um, the UN Decade on Ecosystem Restoration that, you know, started last year. And I was wondering, do you believe that the, in the, within 10 years and that these 10 years will really make a difference and make a change? And what changes do you want to see happen in this decade of ecosystem restoration? Yeah, for sure. I think that on these 10 years, it it is like the, the perfect time for making an echo on all initiatives that are happening right now. It's our time to create this network, to support each other, and to keep replicating the best examples to improve the healing process of our planet. So I think it's, it's very important to start with all the energy that we have and we will keep growing uh, the changes, the knowledge that we are providing to create a bigger impact. And I think that I would like to see in 10 years more aware society that supports every single action for restoration to be more efficient in, in consumption, like encouraging all the sustainable uh, ways of living. So I think that making more people aware and having a, a daily routine, like very responsible with the planet will be the ideal way to to improve and, and creating a, a better planet for all of us. Liliana, thank you very much for all those answers. And uh, my next question will be, what will be the first step that you can recommend to every, everyone to start uh, making a change? Well, so I think that's, that's a very important question. Um, so if we want to start um, knowing about native plants, we, we can start researching about the, the, the local species in our cities, uh, maybe reach a local plant nursery. So they will have the information. They, they also might have the, the provision. They will sell you the plants. They will provide you some advice. But it's, it's very important to know that you, you don't need to create a huge green environment that is all natives you can start with one, two, three species and start learning about them. And after that, you, you can start in your balcony, in your terrace. It doesn't matter if you don't have a proper garden. It's a matter of, okay, like starting the change, starting to have a pot, um, providing flowers for pollinators, 
and also starting to engage with plants and create this experience for for knowing and no one is born with that knowledge uh, for me it was the same well i know that my mom has had plants since i was born like she loves her plants and yeah right now like when i started with working with plants was okay like i know some things but I don't know much about native plants. Maybe not. there's not a magic formula that will tell you like, okay, so this plant is perfect for this corner. No, you have just to start trying. And it's it's a matter of, of knowing. It's like knowing a person. It's the same thing with plants. So you can start with that. We, you can start with few species. And after that, I'm sure that you will be engaged with plants. <laughs> Well, Jana, it was a great pleasure to chat with you today. I have to admit that uh, I will have to look back to, to my administration and I will let you know whether I managed to put a rooftop, uh, a green rooftop on, on, on my, my, my building. Thank you for being with us and thank you for inspiring so many people. I'm pretty sure that you are a great inspiration for a lot of young people. Oh, thank you, thank so you very much. Uh, I have enjoyed very much this opportunity and I love it. I love to share a little bit about my journey with you. Thanks to all of you listening and please stay tuned for next week's episode. And please don't forget to review us as well as talk about us on social media using our hashtag Generation Restoration. This podcast has been brought to you by the United Nations Environment Programme Europe Office and the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations.